Joel, welcome to Becoming Legendary. <laughs> Patrick, awesome to be back. Here we are. We were we were talking rocks before I jumped this on, so I promised that I was going to get to one. You were like, "Hey, stop talking. We got to talk about rocks on the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to get to one um, listener question, and then we'll get back to rock conversation because that's the stuff that really excites me. <laughs> All right. So the question is uh, from Abby, Patrick, and Joel. Patrick slash Joel. With you both living in a pla- living in places that experience winter, do you have any winter traditions? That's a good Joel. question. <laughs> yeah. Do you? I mean, traditions. There's always things that. I don't know. There are things that we do all the time. Like if there's enough snow, we're going to break out that six foot long wooden toboggan. Heck yeah. You know, we're <laughs> like going to do that. With rails and everything? Yeah. Oh, heck well, yeah. Well, oh wait. Well, no, not with like the metal rails where it's elevated. It's just yeah. a, you know, flat. Um, oh, you have like the, the flat with the Steam bent. Whoa. Yeah, steam bent. Yeah. Made back east. All that good stuff. So we're going to bust the oh. toboggan out. We're going to, Every year, I you know I will take some snow and I will bring it in and put it on uh, some of my plants. I have this one cactus that I grew from seed um, that I've just ignored and abused, and it just continues to thrive. Ish, you know, it's not dying; it's <laughs> yeah. doing well. It's yeah. Um, gosh, it must be 17 years old by now, and so I will. I will always grab some snow. I love that. that. So, so far as like grand traditions, I mean, I do nothing for the solstice except note that it's there. Uh, That's Christmas. Christmas is awesome. I always, I spent. I mean, yeah. I try to do what I can to um, to boost up the the vibes there and and see if I can recapture a little bit of those good feelings um, that go back to childhood memories, right? Yeah. So uh, so I suppose that that's about it. What about you? I keep telling people this and nobody believes me, but my winter tradition is hibernating. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> like, I mean, in a lot of ways, that's really true. Like, I like to have my house really, really warm, right? So you mentioned last time, but the like the stove is going basically 24 hours a day. I get as big a log as I possibly can get in there at night so that when I wake up in the morning, there's a 4% chance there's still something going in there. Um, I do spend a lot of time outside, but not in the traditional ways that people spend time outside, like playing and having fun. I'm mostly out there working. Um, so yeah, hibernation is really like my winter tradition. <laughs> I go to bed early. That's a good one. <laughs> it's it's not exciting to people. I mean, people do not believe me when I say that. Like, I will say, hey, I hibernate. And then they'll ask the next question. Like, do you snowshoe? And I'm like, no, but I hibernate. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're tropical species. So it um, it seems weird. It's like, I, I get it. I get the impulse to just live somewhere where the weather is good all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> get that. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> you have your own every place, right? I think this is a reality. Because I, I think a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about, oh, if I only lived here. And the reality is no matter where you live, there's always some obstacle. There's always some problem. If you live somewhere where it's tropical all the time, you, you can't go outside because the bugs will attack you, right? Like you have to mm-hmm. live in screened in places. So there's challenges everywhere. <laughs> I think what people really mean by that is what they're thinking of is, can I leave, can I leave and go somewhere new and leave all my crap behind? <laughs> like <laughs> like sure. they forget, they forget Absolutely. that like, they're gonna bring all their baggage with them. It's like, oh God. Absolutely. I'm here in this great place, but I'm still, I'm still me. Oh, <laughs> just as miserable as I was before yeah. in another beautiful location. Just as miserable. Yeah. Here I am. I still have the same hangups. Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. 
All right, so let's talk. So, so we stopped. You stopped me because we were talking about our particular. That's well, pretend it's summer, right? Our particular style of hiking, and we both agreed that when we are hiking, we're looking down. I'm looking for rocks, and you didn't. You didn't tell me what you're looking for. But what are you looking for? Looking down. Well, I was trained to do that with, you know, hunting mushrooms, obviously. Mushrooms. So I'm always yeah. looking down for that. <laughs> but but rocks too, especially, yeah, if I'm out with with the kids or something on the trail, they're always looking down at rocks. And so that, so I just do that as well. But, but yeah, I mean, we were talking about how there are two different types of people you run into on a trail. There are the people that are like going to the destination. And then there are people that are just sort of out there wandering <laughs> and looking down at their feet and staring at their belly button, so to speak, just looking yeah. at all the tiny wonders out there on the ground that everyone else is stepping over. Yeah. Do you have, do you and the kids have a particular style of rock that you're most drawn to? Here, well, it, it, you know, it all comes down to what you've got near you. So here um, in Arizona, in Flagstaff, 15 million years ago, whatever it was, 10 million years ago, this was the edge of, of an ocean. It was beachfront property. And so you have a lot of kind of limestone type rocks here. Um, I don't know if they're limestone, actually. They seem to be with holes in them. And the holes used their evidence of some kind of fossil that used to be there and you'll see you won't really always see a shell in a fossil but sometimes you'll see like a negative uh space like an outline of where a shell used to be yeah. and um and a lot of the rocks though they'll just have a hole through them and so my youngest son he found out through the wonderful uh internet <laughs> that in the heard of that. in like the witchcraft community like the occult the the wiccan community yeah and like the witchy days of old holes with rocks in them were highly prized and sometimes they were called uh, fairy stones and yeah. the the thinking was is that you would look through you'd peer through the aperture through the hole in this rock and that would be your window into the fairy world mm. so it was essentially a portal and so what we're looking for is the best fairy stones that we can find the absolute best portal to see if one of these things is, is finally going to do it. The one, the one. Heck yeah. We're, oh, that's yeah. fun. Hmm. Wow. That is a, that is a very interesting. The only place I've ever found rocks with holes through them are riverbeds. So it must have something to do with, with water. <laughs> yeah. And they're like really perfectly round. They're like really beautiful. Is that, is that, are we talking about the same thing? These are different. These are really? a lot more kind of rough and um, yeah, it seems to me like maybe there was some kind of prehistoric worm or something and then it wow. was fossilized and then that softer mineral or whatever that was fossilized that became the fossil wore away wow and you're left with like the parent material the surrounding uh rock heck yeah <laughs> so I, I don't know that's just my theory on it but rocks are you know, amazing an, another good rock though yeah, i remember being out um, out on the beach uh, by ventura and you know out on the beach sometimes you'll get these perfectly flat round smooth stones yeah take take some of those and use them as cold packs take them home put them in the freezer and then put them on your forehead or something at night or put them on your stomach or whatever. They're great. That's rad. That's rad. Yeah. <laughs> those, those, that is the rock style that I'm most drawn to is the smooth and round and like good hand feel. Yeah. And now I'm going to start putting them in my freezer. <laughs> I'm going to have a yes. freezer full of rock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's your biohack for the day, people. <laughs> oh, that's some good stuff. So um, we have we have an interesting we have an interesting topic this week. I think that it will be it's going to be a fun conversation. I think you're more the expert here. We're going to talk about inflation and government services. <laughs> this was your idea. <laughs> this was my idea. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. 
no, but I do think I do think this is so. I don't know. My my guess is from our communication. I think you probably spend more time thinking about inflation, and I probably spend more time thinking about government services. So, but there seems to be some type of uh, perceived or or real correlation between the two, at least in the current moment. So I think they fit together in an interesting way. Um, certainly inflation, right? Like that is the talk of the town right now. Prices are going up. Do you have an easy definition for inflation? Because inflation kind of sounds like some magical thing in a cauldron to me. The classical definition is um, an increase in the money supply. So mm. you're, so, you know, a government, so it gets, it gets back to this concept of fiat currency. So you have a bunch of paper currency, you know, the U.S. dollar, the Canadian dollar, whatever. And you have to use that currency if you're living there. And the reason why you have to use that currency is because you have to pay taxes in that currency. So that's why you need it, right? And because if you don't pay the taxes, then you go to jail. So essentially, you're forced through um, control to use a particular currency. And so, and the people that are in charge of that currency, they can increase or decrease the money supply they'd like to. They can um, create more currency units or fewer currency units. So inflation, technically speaking, or or like the classical definition is just an increase in a number of currency units um, in circulation or created by a particular government. And you can see that, right? You You have the money printing, you have stimmy checks going out. You can see um, people buying, you know, JPEGs of cartoon monkeys for millions of dollars called NFTs. You see all sorts yeah. of silly um, things out there. To me, it, it's very reminiscent of um, like the tulip mania, that particular bubble where people were paying, the Dutch were paying just, you know, a month's or a few months salary for you know, a particularly rare tulip bulb. Right. People had so much money and they had this crazy, so, so the money goes to stupid things, basically. Yeah. Um, but most people are not seeing that. Most people don't even have the funds to participate in, buy, you know, speculating in JPEG monkeys. Instead, they are um, noticing when they go to the grocery store that things have gotten more expensive and there's some holes in, in the shelves with supply yeah. issues. And the quality of both like things have gotten more expensive and the quality in some cases has gone down as well. So, so that's interesting that the definition uh, is an increase in money supply because we don't measure inflation based upon supply, right? Our, we measure inflation with a with kind of the consumer price index, which is essentially just a yeah. basket of goods that we look at and track the price of. So like a, my layman's definition, and I've done, I've done essentially no research on this, but my layman's definition would be uh, inflation is an increase in price, uh, an increase yeah. in cost of goods, which is, which is how we measure inflation. Um, yeah. And I think it's certainly a, it's certainly a, <laughs> a ridiculously complex conversation for us to have the hubris to drive into, but yeah. um, oh, I think we're both we're both totally ignorant about this topic. <laughs> so it'd be great. It'd be great. But I do think there's some some real life relevancy. So the the debate that seems to be going on between economists is an interesting one because I think it's. Um, it's a similar debate as to nature versus nurture, right? And that the two things don't, they can't possibly exist without one another. But the debate that, that's being offered up is, is the inflation we're experiencing um, permanent or temporary? And I think that my prediction would be, why don't I not predict? What, what are your thoughts? Is inflation we're experiencing permanent or temporary? It depends on your time scale. So... Um, if you look at a historic chart of the purchasing power of the dollar, um, since its creation, it's just a jagged downward slope. And so you can see that, I mean, over time, going back to the, like the original dollar, you now only have three cents of purchasing power compared to the original, uh, dollar. 
Yeah. And, and this is, this is back in the day when the, the dollar um, used to be exchangeable for an ounce of gold, uh, for example. So $20 was equivalent to an ounce of gold. And now gold is at, um, I don't know, 18, 25, 18, 50, something like that an ounce. And so, so there's a loss of purchasing power there. Um, now, you know, that being said, it's like just to be ideal, purely ideological about this. And I, I can't be purely ideological about this because I'm so darn ignorant about it. Like I just, I'm not an economist. I don't know most of this stuff, but, but overall you can, you can say that 20 years from now, the dollar will have less purchasing power than it does now. Yeah. Um, you could say that, you know, probably even, I think that, you know, the, infl- well, first of all, the inflation numbers, you mentioned um, the inflation index and all that stuff, those numbers, they keep monkeying with those metrics. They made major changes to those. I think it was in the eighties and the um, one of the mm-hmm. key inflation numbers that they use to calculate or one of the key metrics or whatever they use to calculate inflation does not include food or energy. It's yeah. like food and energy are, are you know, a big component of many people's, most people's expenses out there. And so the, with the official inflation numbers being at whatever they are, six or 7%, everyone who's paying attention knows that they're actually much higher than that. But there are reasons that they want to keep those numbers as low as possible. One of those is that um, the inflation values are tied to certain benefits like social security, for example. So when inflation goes up, the social security payments need to be adjusted as well to keep up with that inflation. And so if you can keep those numbers down, then your payouts to the um, you know, social security recipients can remain lower than it really needs to be. And so inflation is going to, you know, it's not great for people who are at the lower end of the economic scale. People at the top, they're seeing inflation too, but it's like, well, Okay, super yachts cost a little more this year, but I made so much money. That yeah, that's fine. I'll still yeah, buy it. And the way I'll buy it is I won't pay for it in cash. I'll take out a loan at a very low interest rate. Mm-hmm. Then I'll invest money in you know whatever stocks Nancy Pelosi's and uh, whoever else. You know the people uh, named for me a Republican one, so it's balanced, right? whatever those people at the top that are pulling the strings, whatever they're invested in, I'll just invest in the same darn thing. I'll yeah. make money. And then I'll make money buying that super yacht, essentially. Um, right. That was a rant, but essentially, yeah, inflation and government services are, are definitely tied together, I think, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and if you're not paying attention to this stuff, then like many things on the invisible path, then they'll probably chew you up to some degree and you'll, you'll be uh, a victim of these circumstances, I suppose. Okay. So I want to dive into a bunch of those things. One, I think the, there was a change in the eighties to the way we measured inflation because of the oil crisis in the seventies, right. And the oil crisis in the seventies created kind of a chain reaction um, in that what, what happened was OPEC just said, Hey, we're going to start, screwing with the United States, basically. And it's very United States driven, right? We're going to cut oil production. Uh, The cost of oil is going to dramatically increase. There's going to be huge lines for $5 a gallon gas in the 70s when $5 a gallon is like $24 right now, right? So you're you're looking at some pretty significant problems. And then what happened was um, laborers would start negotiating and saying, hey, our, uh, our cost of living has gone up 24%. 24%. We need a 24% increase. And then the businesses would be, they'd need laborers. They'd say, okay, we got to give them an increase. They give an increase and they'd offer a, a increase in the price of the goods that they created too. So there became a chain reaction where, where the laborers would then come back and say, Hey, now the cost of good has gone up 24%. We need another increase. And it just became this kind of chain Sorry. reaction. Um, so they, they, I think the change they made in the eighties was, uh, at least in hope to address that, or at least partially in hope to address the fact that oil could create a chain reaction that was more psychological. It was a psychological, uh, eternal inflationary cycle, um, 
than, than a real actual inflationary cycle. The other thing that I think, um, the other thing that I think is really interesting, and I know there is a lot in the middle that I've, I've forgotten, but you ended with, you know, that government services and inflation are tied together. And I think that is the common, that is the common way of thinking. But I always go back to, um, if we, if we extract and we use my rudimentary definition of, of a price increase being inflationary, and I look at the postal service as like the perfect example. The postal service is picked on because they lose 30% of the money that, that the tax revenue that's put into them, right? No one ever talks about the fact that they are essentially the only service in the world that government service that recoups 70% of their value. But also if we eliminated the postal service today, the $10 package that costs $11 to ship on UPS what do you think that's going to go to? Because it's going to be probably a 40% increase. So the fact that we pay 30% of our 30% quote unquote taxes into the postal service dramatically decreases the cost of a service uh, because it offers competition. It offers competition at a rate that doesn't make money. That is a fact. But if we let UPS and FedEx have an, have an essential monopoly, on the pricing power, prices aren't going down. So I think that we, we need to take into consideration when we think about government services, the fact that even if they're losing money, they may be making money for everyone that utilizes the service or utilizes a competitive service. Because if you're not competing against a, a, quote, a quote unquote business and it, the postal service is not a business. So if you treat it like a business, you're wrong. That's why the last name, the last word in the description is service. Uh, when you're competing against the service that is willing to lose money because it is a service and not a business, you are, you are forced to compete with that, with that product. And FedEx and UPS would love nothing more than the Postal Service to go away. And everyone who thinks that's a good idea would be really regretful when they tried to ship their next Christmas packages a year from that moment that the Postal Service goes away. So I think that, I think that when we look at, when we look at um, the fact that there is a 2 to 3% creep that is like built in, like that is the, the Fed, the Federal Reserve's ideal experience is that two to three percent increase in in devaluing of your dollar, as you want to put it, right? Like your value is worth two to three, your dollar is worth two to three percent less every year. That's their goal. Their goal is that. Mm -hmm. Yes. But there's some there there is some there is some real value um, in that happening as well, right? Like. Just because the, the, the value of the dollar has decreased doesn't mean that the economy isn't increasing by more than that, right? So you may have benefited yep. five to six percent in a in a two to three percent inflationary experience. And and inflation could go absolutely crazy if the government stopped spending money, right? If the government cut all its services and there was no competition in the free market, prices aren't going down, they're going up. So the people, the people with assets. And the people with enough wealth to invest in speculative assets, different stocks, things like that, they do very well with this, right? Poorer people who do not have money to invest in assets, um, they're getting killed. They're getting killed every year because rents went up you know, 20% in some metro areas, like in Phoenix, they went up 20% um, in like what, 2020, I think it was, or 2021. Um, and you know, food has gone up. But, and let's say they get a, you know, 5%. Supply though, right? Those are, those are both a, supply issues. Well, it doesn't even matter. Like, it doesn't even matter if it's artificial, like with the OPEC example, right? Like, it still is something that costs the people at the bottom of the economic yes. ladder. It punishes them, right? But it's it supply. It's punishes them. Supply is really yes. different than actual inflation, right? Supply is an economic yep. driver to price increase. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's, it's hosing those people, the people at the top that are closest to the money creation, they do quite well. And it's forcing the middle class to take their, any spend, any savings that they have and put it and basically put it into a casino of the stock market. So it used to be that you could 
have money on deposit at a bank right and you would earn interest on that now you you don't earn interest at all you have a negative interest you're losing money even if you get a very small amount of you know yep. interest paid to you you're losing money on a inflation adjusted basis everything is getting more expensive while your money sits in the bank and does nothing now you were talking about the you know how a government monopoly can be beneficial like with a postal service so if they decided competition, to slash... not, not monopoly though. So competition sure. of, yeah, of a point. private yep. monopoly. Yes. So, so as long as they don't go too far with that advantage and that power that they have. So if the postal service were to slash prices to a quarter of what they were now and everyone flooded to them, they would uh, UPS and FedEx would go out of business and then the postal service prices would have to increase at some point and the service would be garbage because they wouldn't be able to handle all that volume. And in a similar kind of strong arm way. Maybe. I mean, think about yeah. the beginning of the pandemic though, right? How much do you think shipping increased in the first six months of the pandemic? And yeah. all of those companies handled it pretty well. Yeah, I've had to pay. My shipping costs have um, nearly doubled. Um, yeah. I do have a few things that I get. I try to source all my stuff from Canada and the United States. There are a few things where it just makes sense for me to get them overseas from China. Shipping costs have, have nearly doubled, right? Especially but, overseas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and the we're going all over the place. We're doing a terrible <laughs> job of trying to focus this in. But the, you know, back, yeah, back to like the mom and pops and all that, the banks now, the the banks they don't they don't need your money at all they don't mm -hmm. need deposits the like deposits your deposit at a bank your bank account they just see that as a as what's called an unsecured liability that means yeah if you want your money they'll give it back to you but um if there's real trouble they don't have to give it back to you there's a banking crisis they don't have to give that money back to you that's not actually your money that's a an unsecured liability of the bank. It's not really your money anymore. Um, it, you know, and you're probably going to be fine as long as you don't have anything above the FDIC insurance limit of like- $250,000. Yeah, 250K, yeah. right. Most people are fine. So don't have to worry about that. But, um, but they don't need your money. And the Fed, it, things are set up now so that even if interest rates go up when they do, that doesn't really mean that interest um, in savings and checking accounts is going to go up appreciably at all. And so I think the, the casino is going to continue to be the place where people have to put their money. They have to, if you want to stay ahead, you're going to have to try to, you know, get, do well buying stonks and, and hope that the market stays up. Um, and that's really where most people are at. And uh, it, yeah. Funny, I'll give you a funny inflation story and then I'll let you rant because I've gone <laughs> everywhere. So uh, dog food, uh, mm. the dog food that I normally get in cans, uh, it's not labeled as grain free, but it's grain free. doesn't have any brewer's rice in it. doesn't have any wheat in it. Well, I checked the ingredients this time when I go to pick it up. Well, sure enough, they added some wheat to it. So then I had to look and I had to find another one. This is an issue of quality, right? Some of inflation is quality going down. Um, the real hack here is to use is to get puppy food. Um, puppy food is not necessarily higher calorie, but oftentimes because of digestibility, it's not going to have grain in it. So get puppy mm. food or look at it at least. But it's sort of everywhere. The the inflation thing. Does that mean it's going to continue to go up? I, I would expect maybe there's some real softness coming up. Um, but 20 years from now, you can bet that. Um, or maybe you can't bet, but I would imagine purchasing power will be lower for the dollar and for the euro as well, and for most fiat currencies. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean, if things go to plan, right? If things go to plan, that is true. Yeah. That the 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 other side of that coin is that if things go to plan, people are being paid more. Now there are people aren't being paid more because what's happening is all of, all of the rewards are being returned to, to the 
upper echelon, right? So you can look at this dramatic divergence between what CEOs are getting paid and workers are getting paid. And that, that is essentially the problem, right? We are, we are rewarding the people at the top and not rewarding anyone else within the economy. And until that's fixed, um, none of the old, the old history of how things work out works out because it doesn't work out anymore if 99% of the population receive no benefits for the, the growth and boom of the economy. Um, the top 10 richest, <laughs> richest men in the United States doubled their wealth in the last two and a half years during the pandemic. That, that's a pretty good sized problem because I bet, I bet not many people listening to this experienced a doubling of their wealth over the last two and a half years. And if you did, that's freaking rad, right? You did some, you did some really cool things, but the likelihood is 99% or more of our listenership did not experience that situation. But Hopefully I do it's think- higher than that because we're trying to become legendary. <laughs> so be better, yeah, well, people. Work at it. If we're you did, if you doubled your wealth in the last two know. and a half years, yeah. let us know. You probably bought into <laughs> NFTs, <laughs> right? Like it is a. If you did, if you did double your wealth, the likelihood is it didn't happen in a traditional way. It, it didn't happen through the American dream. It happened through stock. a lottery, yeah. Ford stock. Yeah, there you go. Tesla Ford stock. Outperformed, yeah. Ford outperformed Tesla over the last oh. year significantly. Dang, amazing. Yeah. And Ford actually by March will be matching, will be matching Tesla's electric car production with their lightning truck, 250,000 cars a year. Amazing. And Tesla really letting us down on the cyber truck because the factory that they're supposed to produce from still isn't even finished. <laughs> So I, I think that the Cybertruck looks so apocalyptic that I think we haven't gotten there yet. The, this, the first Cybertruck has to roll off of the assembly line at a time when we all recognize like this is aesthetically like the creepiness of that vehicle <laughs> matches the times we're living in and it hasn't gotten there yet. Like the shelves uh. are still not bare enough and there yeah. still isn't enough just like random chaos in the streets. So um, Shoot, I, I you wish don't want the Cybertruck to ever come out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I feel like it's one of the horsemen of the apocalypse. Like it is so strange looking. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, a, it is a wild, it is a wild looking thing. Um, everything about that has kind of gone wrong so far. And, and that is also kind of fascinating. Maybe it's just... <laughs> I, I can't imagine. I mean, I know it's kind of a passion project for Musk. Um, it doesn't seem like it's necessarily a opportunity to earn a significant amount of money. Not that he needs to earn a significant amount of money, but there has to be an awful lot more headaches than he, he wanted there to be in involved in that passion project thus far anyway. Um, so I, I want to circle back to, because I think there's some, there's some interesting components of the, the inherent inflation, um, which we have built into the system, right? Which is systemic inflation that is expected, desi- it is desired, right? The Federal Reserve has a ah. desire for two to, three, two to 3% inflation a year. Um, and that is, what they, that is what they target. We're experiencing significant inflation in the moment. Um, and I think that it's creating this conversation around what inflation is. And, and uh, politicians are using it to say that government spending and inflation are inherently tied together. And the reality is, right, so you hear about this $10 trillion infrastructure bill that we couldn't pass because we're in such this acute inflationary, inflationary experience. The inflation we're experiencing right now has nothing to do with government spending, right? It is, it is 0%. We have 20, we have the highest inflation ever in, or the highest inflation in 29 years in Germany, the highest inflation in 26 years in China. And those have nothing to do with government spending or with United States government spending. So this is a, this is a a epidemic problem, a global pandemic problem, right? There's a supply shortage on many different things. 20% of the of the acute inflation that we're experiencing today in the United States in our CPI, right? In our consumer goods basket that we use to measure price increase, 
is car related. And a significant portion of that, like both used used cars and new cars have a significant, significant supply shortage. Um, that supply shortage is dripping, let's stemming from um, microchip processors that we now need to have in cars, of course, um, not being available. And that has dripped into rental car prices and rental car prices are part of the consumer uh, price index. And those are up like 400%, sometimes 800% from what they should be because rental car facilities can't buy cars, right? So when they lose a car, they can't replace it. Um, and that, like, that is just, that is part of the reality of the experience that we're in, that there is just significant supply chain, supply chain issues that are impacting the way that we're able to access things, right? The grocery store having bare shelves, which is absolutely wild, but also true. Um, and like you said, may not be as bad as it possibly could be, right? It doesn't look like the horrific images you might see from, from communist Russia, right? Right before the fall where you, you'd be able to buy rotten meat one day a week, maybe if you were lucky and waited at an eight hour line, it's not there yet. But I think the fact that it is happening in what we view and what we pride ourselves on is such this open free market economy, right? The fact that we are having some, that we are having empty shelves is the ultimate indicator of how deeply tied this acute inflation is to supply shortage. Um, because if 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 companies had the ability to put something on the shelves, they would. <laughs> Uh, yes, they would. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we're, you know, it, it is really hard, like you say, to tease out what, you know, what's going to be sticking around, what's real and what isn't. Um, there are a lot of stores that are reducing their hours right now. Some of this is um, because of people out sick right now. Yep. With the, the numbers cranking higher, cases cranking higher um for sickness but some of this happened before that as well where you had uh, you had people that just made a bunch of money and they're like well i'm i'm done i don't need to work anymore yeah. um you know younger people some people did really well in crypto and whatever and so those people are done they're no longer going to produce anything for society until they're forced to again because they run out of cash um and so that I see that. Like I see these store hours um, for some places being reduced. That's that's an interesting thing. It seems like people are just people are um, so lonely and isolated and depressed, <laughs> and they feel done. Right? There's like a mental health national mental health crisis. It seems like, and people are just done. And if they can just hang out and um, find a way to like, just collect some benefits, you know, cobble together a couple gigs and just hang out and watch Netflix. They're going to do that. Um, Netflix just increased their prices, by the way, us and Canada. There you go. Inflation. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, inflation in a lot of ways is, um, like you had said before, is a psychological thing, right? And it can be for sure. It, it is a, like, like government money is a fiat. It's a confidence game. What's a confidence game? It's something that con men play. And eventually those systems do fail. There, historically, there have been 4,800 uh, paper currencies and they all fail. And they all go back to the same thing, which is gold, which is interesting. But um what's interesting about I just heard about this idea um, from, I can't remember who, but this is fascinating. It's the idea, it gets back to inflation and the confidence game and, and social media and how this is the first time that we're, we're experiencing uh, an inflationary period. And this time it's global because all currencies are um, printing and inflating at the same time. But it's the first time we've done this where you have uh, social media and, and 
this is the example given that I heard is so fascinating, which is what happens when you finally have a $20 Big Mac, right? What happens when that, when that goes down and, you know, let's say TikTok, you know, TikTok is owned by China. Let's say, let's say it happens organically or, or it happens through um, governments paying influencers to do this. What happens when the idea of the $20 Big Mac goes viral and people start posting about it and, you know, a younger generation maybe wakes up to the idea that the money that they're making is losing value fairly quickly. And so they should convert it into hard assets as soon as they get it. What that does is that speeds up that velocity of money. It speeds up that, you know, people are just, they want to get rid of it as soon as they can. And that is, that's a period, that's an inflection point. You don't know when that'll happen, but that's an inflection point where things can move really quickly um, and, and to a point where people just want to unload that cash as soon as they get it into something real because they've lost confidence in, in the money. And so a lot of the role of you know, the Federal Reserve and all that appears to be just instilling confidence in the whole system. And it's fine. Things are, things are okay. Don't worry about it. Um, it seems like they are. Like things can continue along this path and debts can increase and things can remain stable for way longer than I think a lot of people can anticipate. Um, so it's probably fine keeping a lot of your chips in the casino. Um, but eventually, uh, all the people holding cash and holding things that are priced in dollars, for example, they're the bag holders. So like the Venezuelan stock market that did really well. It outperformed all other stock markets three years in a row. Right. Well, um, the, you know, they're like, what is it like $20 million bills and stuff like that. Like you can go on eBay and buy like a $10 million, you know, Bolivar bill, right. You can yeah. buy a hundred trillion dollar um, Zimbabwe dollar on eBay. Mm-hmm. It'll cost you more than the dot, more than it used to be worth. Right. It'll yeah. cost you 20 bucks or a hundred bucks to buy a hundred trillion dollar note. You know, it's a piece of paper that's worthless. You can't spend it anywhere but now it's worth more than it ever was in circulation as a collectible because it's a symbol of like how nutty things can go. Yeah. Yeah. And things can definitely um, go that way. I think that I, I think that, and I don't, I don't have any, I have zero knowledge of this, but I would be willing to put a fat stack, a hundred dollar bills down that every single time that has happened, corruption has been dramatically involved in the process. Oh, totally. Because if a Big Mac goes to $20, but minimum wage is $105, um, it, it's not that big of a problem, right? Like it, yep. as long as wages are increasing at the same, at the same or a roughly equivalent rate as inflation, everything is going to plan. It's when wages stop increasing and inflation continues to happen that we actually have the problem, right? Like we think about a $20 Big Mac as the end of the world, but if you're making, if, if the minimum wage is $105 an hour, a $20 Big Mac is the exact same, like what's a Big Mac now? Probably $5? It's more than that, but yeah, yeah. All right, I, I whatever it is. It more is. That. But anyways, whatever it is, yeah. So yes, but it, wages never keep up, right? Um, Let's see what happens. Well, they did, um, right? So wages yeah. did keep up, right? From from 1836 until 1910, wages kept up just fine, right? Like they do yeah. keep up. It's just that at some point, someone gains enough power so that they don't have to keep wages up anymore. Yeah, in, in like early 70s, I think it was 1971, there was an inflection point there where they- For sure. The wages- Huge wages versus corporate profits they the slope for wages just dropped dramatically on that chart and it doesn't look like they're going to converge again but you can see now like star you know starbucks there's an effort there to unionize you can see this effort this pushback now where union unions are gaining more i guess visibility and mm-hmm. and these issues are coming up um, but the thing is, is like the, the, 
the corporate people also control the media, right? And yep. they are going to use all of those tools they can to convince you that things are fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I feel like it is a much more challenging kind of uh, uh, situation at this point. And, and the, I think the dishonesty will be able to continue. The corruption can continue for quite a long time. And so you shouldn't wait around for things to get better. You're just going to figure out how to have to make, how to make more money and, and do what you can to play the game. And, and then also not be so dependent on um, things that you need to pay money for. So people living the homestead dream, if you can, you know, grow some of your own food and have a little bit of independence, energy, independence, food, independence, that's going to be a really good thing going forward. Cause I don't think this trend is going to magically get better. Uh, When it does get better, it will, it will be much painful, much more painful first. Like we're going to go through the cyber truck apocalypse first before things get better. (laughs) Yeah, That's probably true. So I want to ask you this. This is a question I've been wanting to ask you for a while. And it's something I've thought about for a long time because uh, you will say this. Everyone will tell you this. Every person who gives you good advice will tell you this, which is like, hey, if you want to buy a precious metal, buy the physical precious metal. Don't don't buy a paper version of the precious metal because, um, you know, if you buy a, a gold index fund or a, 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 a marker against a physical gold, a piece of paper that holds a, a, holds a, a right to a physical amount of gold, it could be worth nothing. Um, and, and that it's only worth nothing, right? If, if all the things fall apart. And I always think about this and I, I know I'm wrong, right? Every, every single smart person tells me I'm wrong. So I just want to know why. I always think about, yo, if everything falls apart to the point where the stock market, where I put my money into a paper version of gold tells me that's worth nothing. What am I going to do with a big pile of gold? Like, it seems like problems are so big at that point that it doesn't really matter if I have shiny metal. Like, I'm probably most worried about water because water is probably a significant problem for most people. And then if I have any assets at all, I'm probably a target for people looking to murder me, <laughs> like any valuable totally. assets. Yes. So, so I want to like, I understand holding the physical thing makes it an actual real thing and it protects you against the problem because if you're buying paper gold, uh, there's, it's not protecting you against the problem that you're trying to protect yourself from. But I view that if that problem comes, it just seems like, well, I have no solution for any of those problems at that point, no matter what I have. Yes. So, yeah. So that, you know, that gets back to the whole, like, you know, hyperinflation thing and, and massive depression and, and what do you do there? So there are times, so, yeah, so I mean, gold historically and silver have have always been monetary metals, and then paper is just easier. It makes it's convenient, um, and it's convenient for governments and people in power because then you can create more currency units, and the people closest to the money creation, closest to the printing press, benefit from it the most. So the, the banks, the people that are well connected, the politicians, they benefit from it the most. Um, that sounds, that so, sounds like it's true with a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the, in, when, it, you know, hyperinflation and a massive deflation and depression, yeah, your, your gold um, and silver, you can't eat them, right? Uh, you, I guess, you know, historic hyperinflations and all that have shown that generally the market goes underground um, oftentimes they're even illegal to possess. The government will just outlaw you being able to hold those, uh, hold those metals. Um, and the reason why you, the people that held them, what they really tried to do was hold on to them as long as they can, 
as long as they could until you come out on the other side when uh, the free market is able to function again, because then you're one of the few people who actually has real wealth because things do return back to, um, to typically just gold, not even silver. Um, and, and the, the new currency is revalued in terms of gold. And at that point, anyone who was able to manage, who had managed to be able to hold on to it through the crisis came out on the other side and did really well. Yeah. Um, on average, I've heard this a few times that you could buy a full city block buildings included for 25 ounces of gold after a currency reset. And so it's a, it's a tremendous amount of leverage there, but people don't realize. Sounds like Detroit 10 years ago. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Yeah. People don't, people don't realize all the issues though, where you need to be able to, um, have your food, your water, your shelter, everything taken care of, your security, everything yeah. taken care of, for you to even stand a chance of being able to pull this off. So probably better than buying precious metals right now is first make sure that you've got your, which I, you know, this is like, I, I just see so many holes in my own game, right? Like it's so hard to do it. You want to make sure you have your water, your food, your shelter, um, everything dialed in first. Um, that's far more important right now, I think, than um, you know going for the Scrooge McDuck game um, of a, a bin <laughs> full of gold coins <clears throat> and seeing if you can swim through them like he did. It'd be fun um, to swim through it, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> magical, yeah. So, but yeah, and and the you know another thing back to the paper gold and the trading and all that the price right now is used as uh, as misdirection. So they'd like to keep the price on gold and silver as low as they possibly can. Um, and so, you know, banks, who was it? Was it JP Morgan? Was fined like $900 million or something for, yeah. for manipulating the precious metals market. Yeah. Well, what do they care? That was just a 10% fine on their profits. No yeah, one went to sure. jail. They don't care. For sure. And the, and the government is happy for them to keep the price artificially low um, because then that's a sign to the world that like, Hey, everything's fine. The currency's cool. Don't worry about it. And it allows um, people who are very forward looking to be able to accumulate a lot of metal at a discounted price. So mm-hmm. it works it works for them in, in every way possible. <laughs> so, yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> it works luck, for them. It works for them in every way possible if it happens in their lifetime, right? If you're 70 years old right now, um, yeah. the likelihood that, that you get a complete collapse yeah. of the U.S. economy plus a rebound totally is probably essentially yep. zero. Um, so it's an interesting, it's interesting in that if you are, if you're willing to look at future generations, um, yes. that then there's some, there's some opportunity. There's some opportunity, I think uh, available in, in an awful lot of spaces. If you're looking at your own, your own lifespan, uh, your own lifespan is pretty limited to the potential of a rebound. If you look at a, a complete economic collapse of a global yeah. superpower plus plus a rebound, <laughs> it's pretty small. We we don't have a lot of time yeah. left. We yeah, start better, collapsing quick. <laughs> you better be stocking up on guns and butter first. Like, yeah, it's not going to be good. Yeah, it, you know, it is interesting. It's, I think it's like a, um, it's something that. Maybe it's more common in like Christian-based societies. This whole like meme of the end times, mm. right? Like that we have sense. this. Yeah. We we seem to have. We're always thinking about this, or some you know some people in the society are just always thinking that it's going to fall apart. Yeah. Um, and if you look how complicated things are, <clears throat> and, I mean, who knows? <clears throat> Maybe they could, but. It, you know, it's like, is this just an unconscious piece of programming we have within us? Uh, it's, it's hard to know. Yeah, it is. It's a real fascinating thought, thought experiment of uh, what things would look like if the, if the bottom dropped out, right? If the U.S., I mean, 
the thing about the US dollar is that it is so tied globally to the every other every other currency is essentially measured against it. Um, so if the US dollar went to <laughs> went to worthless, the impact, the impact and the recovery would be I think never before experienced, right? It would it would be a problem yeah. on a global on a global perspective that has never before been seen. And I think the reality is the creation of the euro, like uh, the, there are there are economic monetary policy decisions being made in places outside the United States to start to distance themselves from from what is going on here so other places in the world are recognizing that we aren't doing the best possible job uh, and they are starting to look to a potential future of when the u.s dollar does collapse i i i think that (laughs) i i i think it's a fascinating it'll be a fascinating time to live through and in many ways um like the fascinating time we're living through right now. What up, kitty cat? <laughs> I, <laughs> <clears throat> this one never wants to get my lap either. Now he's decided to do it. Heck yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean the the, the dollar is the reserve currency. This is uh, you know this has to do with um, well you know it, it comes after World War II, but but essentially like the the thing that Nixon did that was so interesting is, is uh, yes, I don't know all the details of it, but it, it has to do with oil and oil being traded in dollars only internationally. And now, you know, after our fiasco in Afghanistan, well, uh, Russia, I think Russia and China maybe are offering some security to um, maybe it's Saudi Arabia for their, for their oil fields. And so now all of a sudden, the U.S. dollar and the U.S. security of oil fields and all that is losing dominance, and yeah. I, I don't think that generally. I think the other superpowers know that they don't really want the U.S. to just like collapse in some catastrophic way. They would like this to slowly bleed and transfer over because that's far more. It's far more orderly, and you'd like to have an orderly transition when you're dealing with a bunch of countries that have thermonuclear weapons, right? Like, yeah, you just, you don't want things to be unstable generally. So, um, but eventually we don't know when that's going to happen, but eventually U S citizens are going to be the bag holders for a lot because there is so much debt in our system. And you better believe that the people in power are going to make sure that, um, it's the little people that get hosed with all this. And so, you know, that's why. You know, that's why there's a, you know, people are looking for alternatives. People are looking for what has worked in the past um, and looking at how is it that history has played this out um, in, in prior regimes and what are we likely to see here? Um, but then you've got the, you know, it's interesting is people, people don't really talk about, people talk about crypto all the time. It's like, well, it's not crypto. It's not hidden. All that stuff is electronic, which means it can be found out. The only real crypto asset are physical assets that you hold that no one knows about, that you've buried in the woods or you have whatever, you've put yeah. them somewhere and that you could pass on to other people without anyone knowing. That's yeah. a crypto asset. That's a cryptocurrency. <laughs> um, something where you've got your digital wallet on your phone. Like, please, man, like you no. No, yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah. It, all that stuff can be found out. I think uh, just about all of it. There are some current cryptocurrencies that are far more stealth, but just the fact that you're searching for them, you're downloading the wallet and all this stuff. That's just a red flag to anyone who wants to keep track of you that you're trying to conceal something. So maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you don't want to get a bunch of Monero or whatever. That might not be a, a good plan for you. Um, it, well, you know, I guess if you're doing all legal things, you're fine, but it's a, it's a whole weird space. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very interesting thing. Um, so to put a, to put a uh, shiny bow on a, another topic that we just barely broached the surface of. <laughs> and we're unqualified to cover. And we're, full, well, we're fully unqualified <laughs> to cover anything, Joel. That's the best part of this. 
what um what would you be do what what maybe maybe you can answer this either way right what am i doing or what what would you be doing to protect yourself in the either acute inflationary experience or or long-term inflationary experience i think people should probably look around and find find people that are more qualified in this space right but but you're gonna have but in general i mean if you look at the historic chart the dollar is in a long-term downward trend the dollars are created through um debt like debt has to be created for dollars to be created it is a feature of the system and and the inflation is a feature not a bug and so i mean a but it is the it is the the i guess most desirable of all the paper currencies out there so many other currencies are probably going to have real issues before the dollar does i think that in the short and medium term you know it's going to be fine it's going to be great use those dollars invest those dollars good luck i hope you double your money or more in the next year <laughs> um, but you know, you look at like, it is interesting how everything now is a digital ledger and um, people are used to the virtual and there's something very foreign about holding a, an old silver dollar in your hand, and recognizing, okay, you know, that thing is worth 25 bucks or something. It's very, yeah. it's very foreign to people. Yeah. Um, and so so do some research on it if this is the first time you've heard about this um, because it could be important going forward. I mean, you look at just how crazy things have gotten. Um, I don't know. The historic, I guess the historic um, precedents would, would indicate that you might want to have some kind of hard assets that isn't a lot, someone else's liability. If you yeah. hold cash in the bank, someone else is dealing with that. They got to give it back to you. But if you just have a hard asset, whether that's your hard asset might be a big Berkey water filter. That's a hell of an asset actually, because you can <laughs> filter, you can go to a Creek and get clean water out of that thing. Yeah. For perfectly sure. filtered. That's a hell of an asset. Um, hard assets are so undervalued right now um, that, and just being a contrarian, that's just what I think people might just want to pay attention to um, and learn more about. It is certainly, uh, I think, some little corner of the invisible path um, because like it or not, you exchange your life, you exchange your time for money so that you can get goods in this world. And so they stopped teaching about gold um, at, at like, colleges uh, and universities for the in the finance department why yeah. did they do that that's an interesting thing they don't want people to know about this there might be a reason why so uh but youtube is there they've taken the place <laughs> yeah yeah i think that there's an interesting so i you touched on it let me just kind of draw out the little teaser bits of the the way hard assets work in an inflationary experience, right? Is that as the, as the cost of things goes up, the, the value of the hard assets that you, that you already own also goes up, right? So hard assets become a protection from a protection from an inflationary experience because the, the value is built into them, right? You, if you purchased a home, I mean, homes in the United States, although the, the, Housing housing economy doesn't exactly make sense to the rest of the world for whatever reason it, it works here. If you purchased a home in 1970 and you paid $60,000, you have made a significant amount of money off of that asset, right? And that is because, because of the inflation within the housing market, because of the, the increase of the cost in the housing market and, and hard assets tend to act that way um, in, in inflationary experiences, not all hard assets, right? If you bought a, a MacBook in 19 set or in 2017, well, you've, you've lost money on that. Electronics don't, don't tend to, don't tend to follow the same, the same pattern, but, um, 
there, there are things that do. So um, you can look at inflation as your friend. If you, if you look at buying something in the current moment and, and recognizing that in whatever, 20 years, you're going to be able to sell your water filter for three times as much as you bought it for. That might be, you might want to fill up a garage full of, full of water filters. <laughs> I don't know. What are we? Yeah. What kind of crazy advice is this we're giving? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, even like lumber. Yeah, lumber's gone up a stupid amount. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it, it has come down a little, but um, that's just going to make it so it's more expensive to build a house, just period. So, absolutely. Yeah. Heck this yeah. is a strange corner of the invisible <laughs> path, Patrick. This is a very strange one. I wonder what people are thinking. We've gone, like, we went from, uh, mushrooms to this where are we going to go next it's so interesting yeah you never know that's the best part about it. the invisible path is invisible until right. it reveals itself <laughs> that's true <laughs> we're just staring down at the rocks on the path too apparently so we found a shiny that's one that's we true and anytime there's a shiny one pick it up talk about it heck yeah, yeah. heck yeah man well, I I feel like I've learned some things, so um, I'm I'm excited for this for this chat. Yeah, thank you. It's been good. We'll uh, be back in ten days, unless I screw up. <laughs> <laughs>